Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. I want to ask you a question as we start off this morning. How would you describe your Christian life if you had to describe it in one word? Now, in your heart of hearts, if you are really honest, how would you describe your Christian life? Would you describe it as frustrating, joyful, struggling, exhilarating, boring, Exciting, defeated, victorious, maybe like a roller coaster up and down, depressing, maybe bland. How would you describe your Christian life between you and God? What word would you choose? If you chose a word like frustrating, or struggling, or boring, or defeated, or roller coaster, or depressing, or bland, you're not alone. In fact, Billy Graham said several years ago that he believed 90% of the Christians in America were leading defeated Christian lives. That 90% of the Christians in America would use one of those words to describe their Christian life. What is the problem? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And yet, 90% of the Christians are living defeated Christian lives. The problem is, they are going through an energy crisis. They are not allowing the power that God has available for them to flow through their life. They're trying to live the Christian life in their own strength. Trying to do what God's called them to do in their own power. As a result, they're experiencing a great energy crisis. Paul went through this same experience. He talks about it over in Romans chapter 7. When Paul says that, The things that he wants to do in his Christian life, he finds he cannot do. And the things that he doesn't want to do, those things he finds himself doing. As we read in Romans 7, 15, he says, For I'm not practicing what I would like to do. I'd like to pray more. I'd like to study the Bible more. I'd like to be more consistent in my witnessing. I'd like to be more consistent in my church attendance. He says, the things I want to do. I'm not doing. And then he says, but I am doing the very thing I hate. Those things I hate, I find myself doing. What's the problem? Paul was experiencing this spiritual energy crisis. Let me give you some characteristics of a Christian who is trying to live their Christian life, in their own strength. First, there's disobedience to God in their life. Like Paul said, the things I want to do, I find myself not doing. The things I don't want to do, I'm doing. 
There's a weariness. There's worry. There's guilt. There's a critical spirit. There's a sense of frustration. There's a sense of discouragement. There's a poor prayer life. There's no desire for Bible study. There is a sense of aimlessness. That describes a Christian trying to live the Christian life in their own strength. In our text today, Paul addresses this energy crisis, and he tells us what God has to say about it. Take your Bibles, turn over to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, we're going to be looking in chapter 5, and we will be reading verses 15 through 21. Ephesians chapter 5. And I will ask you to stand in respect for the Word of God and read along silently as I read out loud. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. You may be seated. Now we have seen that God's purpose for your life is for you to glorify Him to bring glory to His name, to live in such a way that people think well of God when they see you. God's plan for you to accomplish His purpose is your growth into Christ's likeness. Because the more you're like Jesus, the more people are going to see Christ in you and God's going to be glorified. Last week we saw the problem is your indwelling sin. But we saw what God did about that as He defeated the power of sin in our lives, separated it us from its power, how he has given us resurrection life. So not only can we say no to sin, but with the power of the resurrection life, we desire to say no. Now today we're going to look at God's power for your life. And God's power for your life is the indwelling spirit, the Holy Spirit. Paul says in verse 15, Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise men. And then he says in verse 17, so then do not be foolish. So Paul is saying we're not to live as unwise and foolish people. An unwise person is one who's thinking like an unbeliever, thinking like a non-Christian, who's thinking that their strength is the key to living the Christian life. They think, man, I must do it. It all depends on me. I've got to get out there and just give it more effort. I've got to just give it more energy, and then I can do what God wants me to do. Paul describes them as foolish, not really realizing that the spiritual realities of God's power is what they must rely upon in their Christian life. It'd be like you have a friend who says to you, man, I got me a brand new car. I'm so excited about it. I have dreamed of getting this car for years. And now that I'm up in life, my kids are grown and gone, I can afford it. I want you to come over and see it. 
And so you go over to his house and you're driving up in his neighborhood and you're on his street. And as you look out, you see this guy's brand new car and you see him behind it pushing it. And you stop and said, what's going on? He said, how do you like my new car? And you're saying, man, you look like you're struggling. You look like you can't hardly get it to move. What are you doing pushing it? Don't you know it has an engine in it? All you have to do is start it up, and it will power itself. And he looks at you like, huh? Now you'd say, that's foolish, right? That's unwise. That'd be kind words to use of that guy, right? Some more choice words might be chosen, but that's the way it is for a Christian who's seeking to live the Christian life in their own strength. It's just as unwise, just as foolish as that guy trying to push his car rather than utilizing the mechanism built within the car to power it along. God's never called us to live the Christian life in our own strength, in our own power. It's impossible. Well, then, why is it that so many Christians are trying to live it in their own strength? I think there are two reasons primarily. Number one, there is ignorance of God's Word. They just don't know any different. Nobody's ever told them, hey, God has never called you to try to do it in your own strength. I mean, they just got saved. They love Jesus. And so they go out there and they want to do right. They want to obey. They want to do the things that they should do and not do the things they shouldn't do. And so they're just out there trying to do their best. They haven't been taught. They haven't understood the scriptures ignorance that's one reason the second reason is pride they don't want to admit they need any help i can do this i've always done everything in my life i wanted to do i've made the ball team i wanted to make i made the grades in college i want to make i got the job i wanted to get i can do this i can live this christian life and so it's in pride they try to do it or Because of their pride, they don't want to admit they can't do it. And so what do they do? They put on this Christian front. They look real religious. They come to church. They get involved in working in the church. And just to look at them from the outside, you think, man, that's a great Christian guy. That's a great Christian gal. And what you don't see is on the inside, they are just wilted. They are just struggling and frustrated and discouraged and filled with worry and aimlessness. Because they will not humble themselves and admit, man, I can't do this. I need help. Well, let's talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the first thing I need to do is talk about what it's not, what it doesn't mean. Now, Paul says in verse 17, he says, But understand what the will of the Lord is. And that is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's power for your life is being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. It is his solution to your energy crisis. Jesus himself said, And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. He told his disciples that in in Acts chapter 1, right before he went into heaven. You shall receive power. That's the power for living the Christian life. What does it not mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? First, It's not some dramatic, ecstatic experience 
that suddenly catapults you into spiritual maturity and a permanent state of spiritual advancement. No. It's not being zapped by the Holy Spirit. You might have seen people in, in on TV, maybe you've been to some meetings where people will start praying for somebody and they hit them on the forehead and they just fall out. Slain in the Spirit is a term that's used. Well, that's not what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That person who is supposedly slain in the Spirit does not suddenly come to in a heightened state of spirituality, a permanent state of holiness. That's not what it means. Secondly, it's not the same thing as being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Paul, in Romans 8, verse 9 defines Christian as one who's filled with the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, one who's indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, not every Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit, but every Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. At the moment of your conversion, at the moment of your salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit. He is in you if you are a believer. But to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit does not mean the same thing as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, to be filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean you receive more of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know it sounds like it. You would think when you fill a glass with water that you add more water to that glass. That's not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means you let the Spirit have more of you. You let Him fill every aspect of your being. Think about we have a glass of water here, and we put a dye tablet in it. Now, as soon as you put that dye tablet in that water, it doesn't just all of a sudden turn red. No, but as it slowly dissolves, you see that red begin to permeate that entire glass of water. Now, the red peel was there. The water was there. You didn't add more water. You didn't add more red peel. It was simply that the dye permeated every aspect of the water in that glass. And so the water was filled with the red dye. When you receive the Holy Spirit, when you get saved, you get as much of the Holy Spirit as you will ever have. But being filled with the Spirit means you let Him have more of you. You let Him permeate every facet, every aspect of your life. And then fourthly, to be filled with the Spirit is not the same thing as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Many people confuse this, but it's not confusion if you'll just listen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul says, For by one Spirit... We were all baptized into one body. You are baptized with the Holy Spirit when you are saved. At the moment of conversion. That's the same thing as being indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live within you, to reside within you at the moment of conversion. That's what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, it's interesting that nowhere in all of Scripture do you ever see the command, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. No command. Now, you see over and over the command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, but never the command to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because God doesn't need to command you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, because when you are saved, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. That is a once and for all occurrence. There may be many fillings of the Holy Spirit, but there is only one baptism of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of conversion. So that's what being filled with the Spirit is not. Now let's look at what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we're going to look at it from four different perspectives to help us get a good understanding of what it means for you to be filled with the Spirit to have God's power in your life. First, from the word filled itself. When Paul says be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you take this word filled in the Greek language of the New Testament, and the word itself means to be heavily influenced by someone or something so as to control their actions. It means to heavily, heavily influence someone so as to control their actions. We kind of use that term even in our day. When someone is so angry, they're so filled with rage that they act out. That rage just controls them. In fact, we accept that as a legal defense. Temporary insanity. It means they were so filled with rage that that rage controlled them and they acted out in a way they wouldn't have acted out under normal circumstances. Temporary insanity. Filled with rage. We see it in the scriptures when Paul was, excuse me, when Peter was talking to Ananias and Sapphira, who had lied to the Holy Spirit, he says there over in Acts 2, verse 4, and they were, excuse me, in Acts 5, verse 3, he says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Ananias had given some money, had sold his property for some money, and He claimed that he'd given all the money that he'd sold his property for to the church. But he hadn't. He'd kept some back. And hence, he was lying to the Holy Spirit. And so Peter says, why, Ananias? Why have you allowed the Holy Satan to fill your heart and lie to the Holy Spirit? Look at the word filled. Same word we've seen before. It means to heavily influence someone so as to control their actions. Ananias was being influenced by Satan. He was acting under the influence of Satan. He was being motivated and energized by Satan. Hence, he was said to have had his heart filled with Satan. Now, in a good sense, it's used over in Acts chapter 4, when the Church leaders were being persecuted and thrown in jail because of their preaching of the gospel of Christ and preaching about Jesus' resurrection. And they were confronted. And as they were confronted, they were told by the religious authorities, do not speak anymore about this Jesus. Well, they were fearful. They were intimidated. They were afraid. And so we read over in Acts chapter 4, verse 31... 
how they prayed and asked God to give them the courage and strength that they needed. And look at what the Scripture says that God did. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. Being filled with the Spirit, they began to speak God's Word in boldness, even though they knew they would probably be persecuted because of it. They were energized, they were motivated, they were controlled by the Holy Spirit so that their natural tendency to be timid was replaced with a holy boldness. This is what we see with Peter who denied Christ in front of a handmaiden, but yet after the Spirit of God came upon him at Pentecost, being filled with the Spirit, he became bold and proclaimed the message of salvation in Christ alone through for thousands of peoples. Because he was filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit of God means to be motivated, empowered, and controlled by the Holy Spirit of God in such a way as to overcome our natural weaknesses and fear and being able to obey God. So that's looking at what it means to be filled in association with the Word itself, to be filled, to be controlled, heavily influenced. Now let's look at it from the perspective of its association with drunkardness. Now three times in the Bible, being filled with the Spirit and drunkenness are contrasted. First, we see over in the book of Luke when the angel comes to Zacharias and tells him about the birth of his son, John the Baptist. And look at what he says in Luke 1.15. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. You see, John was not to be under the influence of strong drink. He was not to be controlled by alcohol, but he was to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And we know how alcohol can influence someone to act. And the angel is saying he will not be under the control of alcohol. It will not be the influence in his life, but the Spirit of God will be the influence in his life, the controlling factor of his life. And then again, over in Acts chapter 2, we see where it says the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, they were accused of being drunk because they were speaking in another tongue and people who couldn't understand it just thought it was gibberish. And they said, these guys must be drunk. But what was Peter's defense to that? Oh, no, they're not drunk. (laughs) It's still early in the morning. But what you're seeing is a fulfillment of the prophecy in the book of Joel, that God will pour out His Spirit in the latter days. And they're not drunk. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. That was Peter's explanation. And then the last example is over in Ephesians chapter 5, the passage that we have looked at earlier, where he says, Do not be drunk with wine, for this is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we all recognize the effects that alcohol has on people. We call it driving under the influence. It changes a person's perception. It changes their way of thinking. It changes their personality. You can take a person that is normally shy, but when they get drunk, they can become very boisterous and they can become very aggressive. It can change their entire personality. They can act totally different when they're under the influence of alcohol. And you know, it is called the spirits, right? There's a reason for that. They act different. He's under control of the spirits. He is being influenced by something that is not of himself. So to be filled with the Spirit means to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, not by the evil spirit, not by alcohol, but by the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God changes your perception, changes the way you see things, changes your personality so that you're being more like Christ. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means that we're under the influence and control of the Holy Spirit of God. He changes your desires. He changes your perception. It means to be led by the Holy Spirit. It means to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. It means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live righteously and serve God. Now the third way of looking at being filled with the Spirit is seen from a parallel passage over in Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians chapter 3, when you put this passage next to Ephesians chapter 5, you see a noticeable parallelism. Here, Paul says, but let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. All right, you see Ephesians 5 on the left. Be filled with the Spirit. Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Now notice the similarities in Ephesians 5. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things. And notice how similar it is in Colossians. And I've put the words in the same color that are repeated. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. A parallel passage. Now this says to me that another way of saying being filled with the Spirit is to say let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. To be filled with the Spirit is to be filled with the Word of God. To be filled with the Spirit is to let the Word of God so dwell within you that it influences your every action, it influences your every thought, it influences every facet of your life, that you're bringing every part of your life under the authority of God's Word. That's what it means for the Word of Christ to richly dwell within you. It means you're being obedient. The Spirit-filled life is the Christ-obedient life. The Spirit-filled life is the obedient life. As you're walking in obedience to the Word of God, as you're actively following His Word, you are being filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit means to let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. And then the last 
example is found in the analogy of the vine and the branches. Jesus said in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him shall bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. That branch must abide in that vine. That means that branch receives everything it needs, the nourishment it needs, the strength it needs from that vine. That vine supplies what that branch needs to bear the grapes, to bear the fruit. The branch doesn't struggle. It doesn't in its own strength to try to bear those grapes. What does it do? It just abides in the vine. And all the nourishment it needs just comes up from the vine. The vine, the vine reaches out through the roots and gathers in the nutrients. The, the branch just sits there, just soaks it up, just rests in the vine. To be filled with the Spirit is to have the Spirit of Christ, the Lord Jesus, dwelling within you and flowing into every part of your life. His strength becomes your strength. His faith becomes your faith. His joy becomes your joy. His peace becomes your peace. His kindness becomes your kindness. As you just abide in Him and allow Him to work out what He's already placed within you. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that brings us to the final question. How can I be filled with the Spirit, preacher? I want it. I do want it. I really do. I'm tired of this frustration. I'm tired of this discouragement. I'm tired of working in my own strength. I want it. All right, let me tell you how to have it. It's not complicated. First, recognize that God commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 is a command. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be controlled moment by moment by the Spirit of God. It is a command. It is a, a clear imperative of God for His people. Because He knows you and I cannot live the Christian life in our own strength. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's not a once and for all thing. The Bible, if you read Acts, you'll see several times where it says, and the disciples being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then a while later, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, somebody said there's one baptism but many fillings. I mean, you have to be filled with the Spirit on a regular basis. You know, we leak. <laughs> so we need to get filled again sometimes. All right, here we go. First, realize it's a command. Secondly, desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Realize your inability to live the Christian life. Realize you do have an energy crisis. You've got to come to the place that you admit, I can't do this. I've tried and tried and tried and I just keep falling. Admit, humble yourself and admit you cannot Walk the Christian life in your own strength. Desire, thirst after righteousness. And here comes a critical step. Totally surrender yourself to Him. Being filled with the Spirit means you allow the Holy Spirit of God to possess more and more of you. 
You know, we talk about your life being like a house. And there are all these different rooms. Your thought room, your recreation room, your relationship room, your work room. All these different facets of your life are like a house with many rooms. To be filled with the Spirit means you let the Spirit of Christ come into every room and have His way. You totally surrender it all to Him. Every aspect. You allow the Spirit of God to possess you totally, completely. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And as you rest in Him and trust in Him... That filling moves throughout your life. Total surrender. And as we've seen, that means surrender to the authority of His Word in your life. Because it is a Christ-obedient life. It is a Christ-empowered life. It is a Christ-controlled life. So realize it's a command. Desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Totally surrender yourself to Him. And then fourthly, you trust Him to live Christ through you. You realize you don't have the forgiveness you need towards someone who's hurt you. And you call and you fall before Him and you say, Jesus, I don't have it. I don't have the forgiveness. But I'm trusting you to grant me that forgiveness by Your grace. And as an act of faith, I will step out and act forgiving toward this person, trusting you to supply what I need. He'll always supply it when you need it, not before. Grace is always on time. We want it ahead of time. And he says, no, trust me, act in obedience, and then I'll supply the grace when you need it. We're worried, upset about something. Maybe it's our job. Maybe it's something in our family. And we just do not have the faith to trust God with it. We've tried, we've tried. And then we say, well, wait a minute, that's the problem. I'm trying. And you come to Christ, you say, Lord Jesus, I trust you to give me the faith, your faith, to trust you in this situation. And as an act of faith, I'm going to look to you. And as you look to him to supply you with the faith you need, guess what? He supplies it. As you look to Him moment by moment, each day He will supply everything we need. But it's all the difference in the world from trying to do it in your own strength to trust Him to do it through you as you look to Him. Just admit, I can't do it. But I'm trusting you to work through me. And then, you know, when we sin... What we've done is we've taken back control of our life. That's what sin is. You're doing what you want to do rather than what God wants you to do. So we have to do some what I call spiritual breathing. Whenever you find you've sinned, you need to breathe out what you've confessed. God, I've sinned. I've blown it. I've done what I wanted to do. I have filled myself with myself, not with you. And then you inhale. Ask Christ again to come and take control of your life. Surrender again to His filling in your life. And that spiritual breathing needs to go on throughout the day, folks. Because again, you know, we leak. Our old self leaks and we need to continue to be filled with God's Spirit. Now, I know from the Word of God that the power for your life is the Holy Spirit. 
And I know from experience, this truth transformed my life so much that for years, I thought that was when I got saved. You see, I got saved when I was six years old. During a revival at a Baptist church, my family attended the church regularly. My dad was a deacon, Sunday school teacher. My mom taught Sunday school, so we grew up going to church. There wasn't any question about what we were going to do on Sunday. Never asked. Never said, do I have to go? I knew I was going to be there. Well, at six years old, I realized, man, I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted Jesus. And so uh, I told my parents, and uh, I knelt down with my mom and prayed, and I convinced Jesus came in my heart. So I went down that night to the revival service and told him, preach, I want to be saved. And he said, great. And baptized me and sent me on my way. Now, what I thought it meant was, okay, now I'm a Christian, so I need to live the best I know how to live. I need to do the best I know how to do. So I continued just living along, you know, trying to do my best, going to church and all that stuff. Finally, I got about 14 to 15, you know, the old wheel kicks in. And uh, though I still went to church, and, and from the outside, everybody would think I was a great little Christian boy. Uh, but on the inside, I was just frustrated. On the inside, I was aimless. I remember thinking, what's so great about being a Christian? You know, you hear people talk about, oh, it's so great to be a Christian. And I think, I don't know anything. To me, it's not great. I mean, I just... Have to do things I don't want to do. Go to church, pray, read my Bible. And I'm not supposed to do the very things I'd like to do. You know, as a young boy with all the hormones and everything bumping around, I said, what's fun about this? (laughs) And I I was concerned. I kind of was worried. I said, man, it's got to be more to the Christian life than this. But I, I just was convinced I was a Christian. Well, I went to visit my brother one day who had been saved recently and had got involved with campers who saved for Christ. And he handed me this little book. It had a dove on the front of it. It says, have you been filled with the Spirit? And so I took it from him and thanked him and got home and just threw it up on the dresser. Well, one Saturday night a few weeks later, and I was 17 years old, and I was a miserable Christian. I was. Those things I said, poor prayer life, aimlessness, Uh, No desire for Bible study. That was me. I mean, I tried to read my Sunday school lesson on Saturday before Sunday, and I just felt like I had to do it. And so I remember just picking up that book and just started reading it. And it talked about a person could be a Christian but not be filled with the Spirit. Nobody ever told me that. What do you mean? I mean, I knew I was a Christian. I knew Christ was in my life, but I didn't know he could was supposed to be on the throne of my life. I thought it was just me doing the best I could do. And I continued to read, and it talked about that Christian who was aimless and, and defeated. And I said, that is me. That is me. And then it talked about how to have peace and joy and contentment and a desire for prayer and a desire for Bible study. It talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Boys, I read that, I just, my spirit began to get quickened. And then it just had a little prayer in there that you prayed just surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Same things I shared with you just a moment ago. Asking Him to come into your life and take control and let Him be the power for your life. 
I knelt in that Saturday night and prayed that prayer. And folks, let me tell you, it was so much of a change in my life. Man, I got a hunger for the Word of God. I started desiring to read God's Word. I hungered for it. I started having a desire to pray, not just that memorized prayer that I'd say every night when I went to bed. And sometimes I'd say, now, have I said it yet or not? Well, I need to go ahead and say it to make sure. You've been there, right? But I mean, I really was having a relationship with God. I started enjoying going to church. Suddenly, the preacher got a lot better. It's amazing how much better he got. And, you know, and, and I started talking to my friends about Jesus, and we started getting together and having a group. But it, like again, it was such a transformation in my life that for several years, I really thought that was when I got saved. It was only as I began to study more about God's saving work that I realized, no, He saved me at six. It's just nobody told me about being filled with the Spirit. I didn't know. The first sermon I ever preached when I was six, 17 was at Youth Sunday at our church. I preached this sermon on being filled with the Spirit. It had so revolutionized my life. When I went to college out in Mississippi, we uh, put together what they call debutation teams, and we'd go around to churches, and, and we'd have somebody sing, and we'd have somebody preach, and we'd have somebody give a testimony. Well, I was a preacher. Guess what I preached? All these Presbyterian churches, I was preaching be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this was 35 years ago before it was popular in Baptist or Presbyterian churches. But man, it was the message God gave me. It changed my life. I want you to know that is God's power for your life is the Holy Spirit. If you've not discovered it, don't let one more day pass of you trying to live this Christian life in your own strength. That is a formula for frustration and discouragement. Allow the Spirit of God to live through you. Take Him at His word and be filled, controlled, moment by moment, by the Spirit of God.